nightmares, the incidents that repeat themselves every night you go to sleep, you got enemies waking you up that are dead, people knocking on your door that are dead and like and it's vivid. People asking you questions like why, why, why? And you're like waking up thinking, what the fuck? So now I can kill him. <clears throat> so then I've stabbed him about 12, 14 times. He knew he should have threw that phone away. He knew that phone would have linked me to him. He knew I would have been nicked. He knows that. Anyone would. There was a little commotion and then he ended up with two compound fractures where both of his shin bone popped out of his shins. He shot me and he shot me and he shot me and then walked over to me and shot me twice in the face. So I was smoking crack, taking ease, drinking and sniffing with my mum at the age of 13 years of age. I used to bug up my cars, I used to bug up my houses, and I used to video everything. I said, take one more fucking step towards me, and you'll see how real this fucking thing is, you cheeky cunt. Yeah, I wanted to be an armed robber from nine years of age. From the day you walk in there, because you know, I'd watch scum and things like that. What I sort of worked out what I've got to do. And where I weren't a shook member, I was always game to fight. So for me, fighting was just an escape. Because I only went football for ag and violence. I never went football for football. So people that know me know I wasn't a football fan. I just come for ag. Yeah, even my friends, I've, I've, some of my friends have been shot, some of my friends have been stabbed, and some of my friends have been beaten up. But that's because they broke the rules. So I smashed his teeth in. So I mean, I said, speed the fucking car up. He put his foot down, I just threw him out of the car. Open the doors, as I've opened the doors, boom. And it was like, white flash. Bang, he's hit me with it again. Did you just fucking hit me with that? Bang, he's hit me with it again. And that's why a lot of people turn to drink and drugs, because they can't handle the demons. And the demons are what used to push me towards more badness. Telly's off. With that, I thought, what the fuck? All the lights are off. And I'm thinking, wow, nothing's ever dark at night. You ever come to my house, it's never dark. It'll never be dark, ever. Right? So I'm thinking, why is my fucking house dark? So I've gone in and then there's a sticker on the on the on, on, on my on my telly. And all I remember reading was Bane. And then my buzzer's gone. So I thought, what the fuck? So I've run out to the buzzer and I've gone out. I said, what's happening? And my mate Fabian's now says, Marv, Marv, Marv. They've got your Lisa, they've got your Lisa. I said, who, who? He said, they're all them lot, man, they're firm-handed. I said, what are you on about? With that, I see three cars pull up. Those black fellas getting out of the car. I was like, what the fuck? So I've looked out, I thought, rah. So I've run downstairs, I've gone out to my backyard. I've got um, a 44 automatic, and a, I think it was a, I'm not sure if it was a pump action or a 410. I'm not, I can't be at 100%, right? So as I've come, I've come around now and got the tool, come running out of the house. And as, I, as I've come out the front of the house, they're all across my drive. So I've just come out and I was like, what the fuck now? The biggest, the uncle, I've just come out and said, what the fuck are you doing at my house? What the fuck are you doing at my house? And he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing with that? I said, what do you mean I'm doing with that, you stupid looking cunt? I said, what are you coming to my house for? And he's like, that thing wants to be real. I said, take one more fucking step 
towards me and you'll see how real this fucking thing is, you cheeky cunt. You're a big man. I see you with my pals the other day. You're a big man. Why are you coming to my house? Firm-handed. This ain't happening. Fuck off or I'll blow you up and get nicked, bro. What is the matter with you? Yeah, that wants to be real. I said, one more fucking word, mate. Come on, you fucking mug. Do you know what I mean? And with that, he said, oh, we'll see you, we'll see you. And then basically, they've gone. And then I've just lost it. I've just absolutely lost it. Just lost it, lost it, lost it. Um, and then basically, I was out on the prowl for a couple of days looking for everyone to do with them lot. And then that was when I got nicked for the banter. That's when I got nicked for the banter, the palace. But it was alleged that I pulled guns out on him and tried to shoot him. Do you know what I mean? That's another mad one. But yeah. Do you think that did you a favour being nicked? Because otherwise you would have done something serious to this other family. And I think so, yeah. I think, I think everything that was possibly capable of happening to me, getting shot or killed, the energy protected me. So it never, and whatever happened was the result of me not getting killed or getting life in prison, I believe now with my older years. You know what I'm saying, but yeah, I think getting nicked then, same, because I would have killed them. I, I know I, I, was, I, was, I was, at that stage of my mental development, killing wasn't an issue, killing wasn't a problem, killing was something that never troubled me because I hadn't done it. And it ain't until you experience death or murder or 36 years in prison or the Cat A units that you realise the, the magnitude of them actions. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people don't realise the effects of gun activity, murder, killings, deaths. And it's the, it's the nightmares that you find difficult to live with and deal with. Do you know what I mean? It's the reoccurring nightmares, the incidents that repeat themselves every night, you go to sleep, you've got enemies waking you up that are dead, people knocking on your door that are dead and like, and it's vivid. People asking you questions like, why, why, why? And you're like waking up thinking, what the fuck? Like it's just, it's not normal stuff, you know? So the magnitude of the effects of that world plays a massive part mentally growing up. And that's why a lot of people turn to drink and drugs they can't handle the demons. Um, I was a little bit more insane than most, and the demons are what used to push me towards more badness because I used to think, well, that's going to happen to me because I had vivid dreams of me getting shot. Mm. I got shot six times in my dreams. I've been stabbed up in my dreams. I've been like, I've been killed a couple of times in my dreams, but I've been killed a couple of times on the road. Do you know what I'm saying? So everything that's happened to me, I've sort of put back to put them in place with my dreams. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I've had dreams, I've been stabbed in the throat, I've been stabbed in my heart, I've been shot six times, I've had my balls ripped off, and one of my mates, Chris, Chris Berglite, ripped my ball bag off as well. Imagine that, in a fight. That was another story. So um, when you end up getting reminded over the Camden Palace, uh, the shooting, did... That's when I got starred up. That was my first star up. Okay, but did that end the feud with that family where you end up getting taken away for six months or did it end up... So, well, that feud just continued. It hasn't been a feud, but well, there's a couple of people in the family that hold feelings. And that's all it is. A couple of people in the family that hold feelings. I've got on well with the rest of the family um, prior to, I mean, after the event because everyone knows what it is. It was what it was. And at the end, there's a couple of people in the family that hold feelings because they can't, 
I suppose, I don't know, it might be jealousy. They can't aspire to become who I became. Do you know what I mean? They're hating the fact that they're still stuck in that same environment, not really doing anything differently. Things might have changed now, but mm -hmm. at that time, I was the most... I was the... I was the... I don't know how to put it, man. I was the, the fastest growing product in that environment, really, I suppose. Yeah, and so when you um, stood up to a some somewhat notorious figures, did the elders on your patch, is that what led them to... The, the, see the beers you fear? That was villains from all over London. Do you understand? That was the older lot from all over London. This was the 25 to 30, 40 year old villains. Mm. So when they see me put it on this guy, and this guy's family have got a reputation of being hard nuts and dangerous. Do you understand? So when they see that, they thought, who the fuck is this kid? And then... It escalated after that, and then the shooting, and then, and then can the palace, not can the palace, and then um, ministry, the ministry of sand. So it's that from that into that into the Essex boys, into the armed robbers, mm. into the cartels. It's just never-ending growth. It's not stopped. Do you know what I'm saying, Yeah. So at that point there, you, did you get sort of taken into any of the? The serious older firms and stuff like this start working with I was them. always my own firm. I was yeah. never I was always on my own. Always on my own. I've never been part of anyone's firm. I, I amalgamated with people to achieve a goal, but I was never part of anyone's firm. Never. The only the only firm I was part of was the Untouchables. And I pulled away from the Untouchables in I think nineteen eighty five or nineteen eighty six, I'm not sure. But um a young kid got a young man got killed over a fag. And it was just too many people. Someone said one wrong thing. Geezer got killed. And I thought, what's the point in that? My mate got manslaughtered, manslaughtered. And I thought, what's the point in going to prison for nothing? Mm -hmm. like, why are you lot hanging about? Why are you lot doing this? Like, we, we got into this to make money. You lot are doing it just to beat people up. So I said, allow that, man. I'm, I'm out of it. But then they all became drug dealer robbers. So they robbed all drug dealers and the rest of their soul. The main culprits are dead now. Mm -hmm. I mean, my main pals are dead now. So you ended up going up to talk about the Ministry of Sound there. What happened at the Ministry of Sound? Can you talk about that at all? Yeah, well, basically, I've still got to confirm, but it was. I've been told. So I was a wayward character of proportionate expectations and visions of grandeur. So when I was 19, 20 years of age, I thought I was the biggest, baddest villain on the planet. Um, and I was robbing vans and doing all sorts of madness. And the Ministry of Sand was the place where I got introduced to by a guy called Lenny Sandiford and Linville Williams. Now, I mention them both because there's only certain people in my life that have contributed to me becoming the person I became. Now, the reason why I mention Lenny and Linville is because I don't believe that they were grooming me because they're two people that never took anything from me ever, and they're the only two people prior to me moving to Spain that ever gave me anything for nothing. So imagine this, right? 18 years of age, 19 years of age, I didn't have to pay for cocaine. I didn't have to pay for ecstasy. I didn't have to pay to go in no nightclubs. Nothing. If I turned up in a nightclub, Lenny or, say, or, um, Lenny or Linville were there, I said, hey, what's happening, Len? What's happening? Let's come here, son. What's happening? I said, what are you up to? I said, I'm with a few people here. You, you all right for everything? I said, well, I want a bit of gear for you. I said, oh, yeah, son, come here, come here. And I get, oh, fancy this, 50 pills of that, 500 quid here. Like, no, no, that's not asking for it. That's, no, take it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not, no, Marv, if you don't take it, you're insulting me, son. Come on, son. 
Oh, that's sweet, sweet. So anywhere I went, yeah, I had everything I needed on tap. Do you know what I'm saying? So they introduced me to the ministry, Sam. So even Colton, I can mention him now because he said I can talk about him, right? So Colton was the head doorman of the ministry of sand and um, other things, right? So basically, I got introduced to Colton and I was one of the only people, you weren't allowed to sell alcohol in the, in the ministry, but I was one of the only people with a firm that could walk up to the gate, yeah, with a crate of champagne, not me, but someone would be carrying a crate of champagne and no alcohol allowed to be sold in the, in the building, right? No alcohol. But I'm walking in there with a crate of champagne with 15, 20 people, and they're opening the thing, letting me walk in. I don't have to pay for a fucking drug in there, I don't have to pay for nothing in there, and I own the gaff. To me, yeah, my people are feeding everyone in there, my people are robbing all the vans, my people are making all the money, this is my gaff, do you know what I mean? And the security are my guys, this, these are my guys, this is my place, this is my spot. So that was the mindset I had. So I goes in there. So I've told this story a couple of times, right? And I told the story that, I believe that I got served up because I'm in the toilet, I'm having a piss, I'm buzzing out my nut, I can't see. Geezer come up to me and ask me for the time. So I've then gone like that, have a look at the time, right? He's had a look at the time, but I'm trying to nick my watch, right? So I've stabbed him up, right? But this happened, right? This happened. So I've stabbed him up. Come, his mate's turned up, his mate's right back, I've stabbed him up. I've come out of the toilet and I walked up to one of the bands and I said, there's a mess in the toilet, you need to sort it out. What I didn't remember, right, was as I've continued to walk into the dance floor, a big lump has come up to me. One with security lot told me about, I, I can't remember the argument, but I remember the incident. So, come up to me, started talking to me about something. I said, mate, what are you talking about? Because in my head, the governors, Colton, you work for them. You work for the governors, mate. Don't talk to me like I'm Joe Public. Go and speak to your governor. And this geezer's trying to get a bit... I don't know what happened, but he's tried to put his hands on Mark, isn't it? And you can't put your hands on me. So he's been plunged, right? He got plunged in the gut. Um, don't reveal the name. So that name is a notorious figure that you'll see revealed on Marvin's channel, Marvin Herbert, in due course. Okay. All right, lovely, lovely. I only found out about who it was today, but when you hear about this, you're going to think, Wow. Anyway, so this guy had been plunged out, and he's got the scar to prove it. So I got told today that he's got the scar to prove it, and he crawled, crawled out the back door of the ministry after I plunged him up, right? So I've gone back to the dance floor after doing the geezer in the gym, in the, in the toilet, and then the geezer on the way back to the dance floor. What I didn't know, the geezer on the way back to the dance floor worked for Colton. So when Colton and a lot have heard that I've done someone off one of the firm, he's gone nuts. So he's called me out, chopped me with the axe, bum, 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 and then it's just kicked off. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, so it didn't make sense to me. It. So it, was, it wasn't, didn't even matter the boys in the toilet. It was literally, that was one of his firm on the way back. And then... Yeah, and that's why it kicked off. That's why it kicked off. And Carlton didn't mess about at them times, did he? <laughs> Tell no, what no, happened. No, no, no. So basically, I've walked down, i walked down. Now, I'm in the dance floor, and I've got a message that Carlton and them not want to see me. So I'm like, for what? Tell them I'm coming here, mate. Fucking, I ain't a bouncer. Tell me, tell them I'm coming here. Because I was... I had that pretentious mindset. So everyone worked for my pals. Everything was doing well for my pals, right? So I said, get me coming in. And then, then, then Fitzroy is one of the chaps who's Lenny and Limbo's pal, right? He's like family, Fitzroy. So he's come, no, he's a Marv, Marv, they need you out here. So because he's one of the chaps, I thought, sweet, not a problem. So I've walked out. As I walked down, I've opened the doors. As I've opened the doors, boom. And it was like a white flash. And I was like, did you just hit me then? 
And he went, looks all shifty. And I've looked at his hand and I just see a, an axe. And I was like, did you just fucking hit me with that? Bang, he's hit me with it again. And I was like, fuck, they're going to kill me. So I've, I've steamed into Colton and it's kicked off. And then a couple of other people there is kicking off. So I remember I had, I had a, a, a can of gas, I had a blade, I had a Derringer two shot, I had a spring-loaded kosh. So they're all here. So I'm trying to pull the tool out and bang. One got chopped out of my hand. The other one got kicked out of my hand. And I'm just fighting, fighting. Every every couple of minutes, I'm trying to get a new tool out. Trying to, and I'm then, real quickly pause you. We've heard this confirmed by Carlton. Carlton's own word, he was like a fucking magician. Every time I knocked something out of his hand, he pulled something else out. I didn't know where it's coming from. Well, that's the sad bite you can put on. Because... <laughs> We'll ask him to record that so you can pull that recording up. Yes. Um, that's what I'm saying. So I don't need to tell the stories. Everyone will tell the stories for us. I'm, to well, yeah. he, he, I'm pulling tools out. And basically, it went to the point where I believe that they got so tired, they had to look for an exit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was wild. Like he said today, your eyes were black. Your eyes were black. You're like, you weren't even you, mate. You weren't you. Uh, and we was trying to calm you down. Because I remember them telling me, calm down, calm down. I'm like, fucking calm down. You just chopped me with a fucking axe. You cunt. And you just fucking stabbed me. And what the fuck? And I'm just I'm thinking, you cunt. You cunt. Calm down. Calm down. Like, what the fuck? Because I remember them telling me, calm down. But that just made me go mad. So I'm thinking, how the fuck can you chop me in my head? How the fuck can you stab me? How the fuck can you hit me with a bat and a fucking tool and expect me not to want to fight? What do you mean, calm down? Fuck, calm down. And he just kept on and on and on. And every time they're trying to get me to calm down, they were trying to catch their breath. So what they'd done, they all bear-hugged me and put me in the thing so I couldn't move. And then run me out, run me through the club and then just threw me out the back door and shut the back door and bolted it all out. Shut the front door, bolted it all out and just shut everything. So it was all bolted. So you couldn't get in or out of the ministry. And I went round once to have a scene and I realised I'm going to get people nicked. So I went on, got dressed up. No, I never... The guy, a guy, a guy was driving past, just flagged me, said, Marv, 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 give me a lift home. So I've sort of gone, I've gone home, had a quick change. I got me 410, because I was famous for the fire, I used to love the 410. So I had the 410 and the revolver. So I've got the 410 and the revolver, I run back down to the car and the geezer had gone. So then I had to go to the hospital, get stitched up, and that's when I met Junior McDonough. Junior come out with a pump action, and that's when we went on the rampage for a couple of days looking for Cole and everyone, do you know what I mean? And um, did you hold that? Did you say it was Fitzroy that came and got you from the, the dance floor? Did you hold him responsible? I tried to shoot him. I tried to shoot Fitzroy. Yeah, I tried to shoot Fitzroy in, uh, in dungeons. Was he ready on you or did he know what's well, going on? I believed at that time that he ready eyed me. I didn't realise they just said to him, I'll go and speak, go and get Marv, go and do this. I didn't know they used him to get me there. Do you know what I'm saying? But he wasn't aware that I was going to get done because him and his cousin got done a little bit themselves. A couple of them they were standing right there and it all kicked off. Do you know what I mean? And he was shocked. And then when I tried to shoot him, like my pal jumped in front of the gun and said, Marv, what are you doing? And they grabbed me, bear hugged me. And I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, Marv, he's with us, man. He's family. Like, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do it. And then it just all calmed down. And then I got nicked for the armed robbery. And that's what saved me from pursuing um, all them lot. And then everything went pear-shaped with all that little lot anyway because of what happened in Raquel's in Essex. Do you know what I mean? So everything went pear-shaped. The Essex boys ended up getting under investigation. They all ended up getting killed in the car. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that was, the geezer I stabbed up had a lot to do with that Raquel, which is going to come out later. So Marvin, you said um, after the Ministry of Sound sort of madness, you ended up getting 
reminded over a robbery case, was it? We were supposed to go and have a look at saying, somebody come up to get me. I couldn't really be bothered because I was fucked. And he's convinced me to go and have a look. We ain't doing nothing, come, we need to do it. So I said, all right, fuck it. Got up, went up there, walking up the road to get into the motor to drive up to Watford. And I thought, do you know what? I can't be bothered to. I was going to grab this cunt here. The van pulled up and I just went to work. And uh, with hindsight, I'm quite glad because I was kind of obsessed obsessed with Colton and them lot. And I was travelling way too heavy every day tools, guns, and weapons <clears throat> every weekend. So it was a blessing getting the nick in, I believe with hindsight because I got a relatively short sentence for the crimes. At the time security vans was getting anything between five years and fifteen years. But I suppose it was my mitigating circumstances and my age that um, got me to five. But that was like that was the introduction to the deepest, darkest depths of the world that I was going into. Crazy. That's when I started seeing people for what they really were. Villains for what they really represented. Goals and sort of targets that people set for themselves. I mean, I always knew I wanted a lot more. I always knew I'd do better or be bigger than everyone I was ever around. So that's all I ever tried to do. <clears throat> So you ended up getting a five, and where did you get sent initially? Started in Scrubs, the little London jails, Scrubs 1-0 Brixton. And then I went a high point. High point Parkhurst. Parkhurst, Calderley, Calderley, 1-0, 1-0, Swellside, Swellside to Chelmsford, and then I got released from Chelmsford in 97. I can know, you like, must like moving around. They just move you about, innit? They just, you know, when you're active and you're grafting, you're having problems, then they just need you out there, because you know, they, they want every jail settled, and. I never settled in jails, so I never stayed in jails very long. So then what did you get up to then when you got released in 97, was it back to London and...? Yeah, back to work mate, back to grafting, vans, fucking... Drugs? No, I never got a drug, like I had that, keep asking me about drugs, right, so... If I nicked £100,000, then I bought £50,000 worth of drugs. I'll give the £50,000 of drugs to someone and say, pay me when you get it. Mm. Up in the air, disappear. It's going to worry, I don't have to worry about it. So that fifty grand i have got to live on, yeah? I know by the time I've spent that, he's going to have another lump of money for me. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah? Or I'm going to nick another bit of money. If I nick another bit of money, then buy another lump of puff. So when he gives me money for that, I'll give him another lump of puff. Do you understand? Yeah. It was just my banking structure, so... So Nicking money, drugs never come as a, as a, I never got into drugs. So you were back to the armed robberies, all this sort of stuff. Is there any sort of disputes going on, gangland disputes or anything like this around these times or everything was sort of tra 
Yeah, you just forgot about the 90s, innit? You just forgot about the Ministry of Sound stuff by the time you came back out. Yeah, because they're not, they were up and doing different things. Was, I don't know where they were. Um, no one was on the door anymore, I don't think, at that stage. Um, put the whispers out. No one had heard anything where it was or what he was doing. I heard about saying about Canning Town, but I'd have never paid my attention. I was about to focus on getting myself on my feet. So I, got, I, I went and got a job first for a few months. And then after my licence was up, what kind of job was it? Legit job? Yeah, roofing. I've done a bit of really? roofing for seven months, eight months. First legit job you'd ever had? It's the only legit job I've ever had. Yep. So I've done that for seven months. Really enjoyed that, to be fair. Um, made a really good, strong relationship. With only who I'm working with again now, in a really good capacity. Um, but yeah, done that after seven months. Well, enough to think about keeping doing roofing or whatever, though. No, I thought it's your feet. Look, what is it? When, when you're young, and you think, well, what am I working every day for when I can just go and do that and get myself 100 grand or 200 grand or 30 grand or 70 grand or whatever it was, 250 grand, 350 grand, like half a million quid. Like, I mean, I never got millions every time I went to work, but you got a few hundred grand a year, do you know what I'm saying? To you? A few hundred grand a year is a decent amount of money to live on, you know? Like, I never professed to be the richest for criminal, I just good at what I've done and I've got a good wage out of it and I lived on a decent amount of money every year. Yeah, so you had a relatively good run, did you, when you came out after 97? No real dramas. Yeah. I got a couple, a couple of nickings for shootings, a couple of nickings for armed robberies, but I never actually got my collar felt. Um, I got a couple of, I had a domestic with the missus, got a couple of weeks for that one. Um, I was under robo lots of the time. Um, what the shootings you alleged to have done? You got nicked for? Um, one was over West London. Um, well, not West London. It was uh, Listen Grove. A young kid got shot six times. Um, I took him to the gaff. Um, didn't know it was a red eye. He ended up getting shot. And um, is it fucking? Was that one of your friends or something? Yeah. Jesus, what was his name? You can talk about that at all. Um, it's called him Dean. Yeah. I don't really want to go too into it, but Jesus. it was just one of them things where I was caught in the middle of a triangle because it was that same shooting where they tried to say that I was a head runner in the Chelsea football team. They tried to link it up with Chelsea. Which is absolute bollocks, you know? Yeah, no, what is it? Someone was supposed to get me a couple of motors. I was supposed to get motors for people. So I've asked someone if they can get me a couple of motors. They said, yeah. Well, so they said to me, the motors are in this gaff. Go here. The door will be open. The keys are here. The keys are here. So then when I've turned up, the keys weren't there. And I got told now the keys is going to drop them off in a minute. Sorry, mate. We'll be there in a second. Door's gone. I've opened it. Two keys have walked in. One keys has laid me down on the thing. And the other geezer's is running. The front woman shot the geezer six times. I was with I mean, they, they run out and fucked off. And then... Uh, Is it close friends? Yeah, close enough. Close enough. Um, but the situation was what it was, and it's all escalated a little bit after that. There was a couple more shootings. Um, a couple of people got killed. We all ended up getting nicked again. But it was just a, a little cycle of bollocks that was manifested down to somebody else lying, cheating and 
not being as honest as possible, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's just that life. It's just shit happens. And then everyone's got to live with the, the fallout. Do you know what I mean? And I've lost good friends in that game. You know? Even in that situation, I, no, no one in that situation was my enemy. Do you know what I mean? But everybody just ended up falling out because of other people and people choosing sides. But I haven't had no enemies, do you know what I mean? I've never done anything to anybody. People put themselves in the situation and the consequences was far greater than I could prevent. Yeah. And I'm not the bad guy for that. They might hold me in resentment for it, but... Do you know the reasons were behind him getting shot or do you rather not say No, it? I don't know. So no, it wasn't a thing... I never, he never got killed, but... It was, you're sort of used to that way of life. That weren't the first shooting I've been in. That weren't the first shooting I've been involved in. Do you know what I mean? It was just, certain things just become normal. Do you know what I mean? Like, so without crying too much, you said there wasn't really gang disputes. What were guns involved in other than for using all the Say jobs? that again. You said there wasn't any sort of disputes going on at the time. Like, what were guns used for other than going for bits of work? At those times, yeah. Then, like, why were you getting caught up in? All right, for argument's sake, right? A uh, few of my mates go over Chelsea. I say, we're going for a drink. And I say, Chelsea, all right, yeah, sweet. To my head, that's South London territory, right? Or you might go East London territory. Or you might go territory where there's going to be ag. So if there's going to be ag, then you want there to be tools on board, don't it? Because I ain't getting beaten up by a load of kids yeah. or a load of lemon mugs who think they're hard. Do you know what I mean? So that was the mindset I had. So if I'm going somewhere and a firm put it on me, I'll just tell them, look, do yourself a favour and go home before you get hurt because you're going to come unstuck. Mm. Trust me, you're going to come unstuck. And I'd give them fair warning. Do you know what I mean? Fortunately for me, I've never had to kill anybody in that situation. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, sick. And then, so... um you had another ma major, major case. What year was that when you ended up getting arrested on the 23 murders, like trying to piece it together? So it was around 97, oh. you were out for a few years. Well, it was about, basically what it was is, I used to be a wild individual that used to do wild things. People used to tell little stories and lies about me. And then basically, through the years, a reputation formed. And then basically, we started working with a few people doing some serious crimes. Um, halfway through the serious crimes, these guys linked with police in some way, shape or form. Um, the police was directing these people on what to do and how to do it and how to control the younger lot. The younger lot weren't listening because we're not listening to Cosas and we continue to do what we've done. Because of that, one of my friends lost his life, got set up and got killed by his own people. It's unfucking believable. And then um, basically the same people set us up by because we all had it closely with each other. And no single thing, why would he and that maybe this is why he asked me to come to his house that day. Maybe that's why this happened. Maybe that's why this happened. Do you understand? Because some things have happened, I thought, wow, maybe that's why that happened. Because all our DNA was planted on loads of things, right? So, when they said, that, I got questioned over a few murders and they said that my DNA was on the wires of, of the motorbike and in the crash helmet. So I said, well, do you know what? To be quite fair, 
Um, I have a motorbike, I had a motorbike. I had a ZX 1200 Kawasaki Ninja, right? I said, it was gold and navy blue. It was a shorter version than the old previous green one. I had the big green one, it was too big. And then I got the short one when it come out a year and a half later. So I've written that off doing a wheelie through Queen's Crescent one summer, just after England played Sweden in the World Cup it was. I come off the motorbike. Anyway, I've come off the motorbike. I thought, who can I bring to pick my motorbike up? Jason and Michael McGuire were people uh, related to the traveller industry, traveller world over um, northwest London, Kilburn Way. So I rang them up, they come and picked it up and took it away. So when the police questioned me and they said my DNA was found on something, I said, well, do you know what? In all fairness, it could have been anything, but that bike, I never had it since this day. So whatever happened after that, I don't know, but I did have a bike and my DNA could be on it, but I haven't been in contact with that bike since this day. And they went away. Anyway, fast forward 15 years, someone starts talking to me about this case and how it was connected to other murders in the country and how we was being held responsible for 87% of the murders in the country which wasn't tried and related. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Marv, trust me, they were trying to bury us. I said, who? So then he mentioned a couple of names. Um, I was like, are you joking? He said, no. So then he's produced me with some paperwork. I've got the paperwork um, of a lockup, what they found, and they called it the biggest hitman case they found in this country. So there was maybe six or seven high-power pistols, um, machine pistols and MAC-10s, um, body bags, overalls, body armour, um, gloves, um, body bags, what they use for the coroner's office, um, tape, um, guns, motorbike, and the motorbike they said was my motorbike, it wasn't my motorbike. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I've never been on that bike. I know I've never been on that bike. Do you understand? So when I started looking at all the evidence, I started seeing all the flaws, and then a couple of the names, so I don't want to mention the names until I've got the actual paperwork. Because once I've got the paperwork, I can talk about it. But there's paperwork that will name people, and once I've got that paperwork, I can name them. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so I will come back on when I get that paperwork and give you the exclusive on that one because I can promise you that, right? But yeah, um, basically, we got a PII from Colt which give us the information we needed on the people that set us all up, and they was basically setting us all up for all these murders. Yeah, that we had nothing to do with whatsoever because one, to the police, it would have cleared up their murder rate. Do you know what I mean? Two, they would have got the most prolific group of people off the street from that northwest area because although we was... And you said these police were working with your elders. Your elders probably thought... Maybe not my were, elders, they weren't. All the, the elders of the this elders, And so they probably thought you were getting a bit powerful, two birds at once, don't get rid of you and... Then uh, the, obviously the police can get you get all their cases solved at the same time. Everyone's yeah, basically, yeah, win, 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 win. Yeah, and then uh, they tried too hard, basically, and it fell apart. And then basically, all the cracks opened up, and the truth was revealed. Do you know what I mean? And that's it. It's just what it is. I never made it. Do you know what I mean? I never made it up. It is what it is. And so did you get reminded in that case there? Reminded in what case? The, that murder, the 23, the, the, the shed. 
Yeah, yeah, I ended up getting a lump of bird as well because when we got arrested for all the murders, one of my plea, one of my part, my co-defendants took a plea bargain because we was getting told we're getting no less than 36 years. And then halfway through, they come and said, look, we'll offer you plea bargains. I said, don't take it, don't take it. And then he never took, he took it. And then we all got found not guilty. Yeah. And then we got found guilty by association to the firearm that he pleaded guilty to. Imagine that. Do you know what I mean? Fucking joke. But rather five years than 36. So it wasn't something I was that overly angry about. Do you know what I mean? Mm, of course. And so the way that everything had folded in that case there, and you obviously had your suspicions about the elders and the police and stuff like this. Was that what made you, was it immediately you travelled to Spain from there? Yeah, no, see, I've said it in one, in one of my own little um, broadcasts, right? Basically what happened was, I'm, I'm in my cell one night on the uni in Belmarsh. And I had a really, really vivid dream. Like the dreams I used to have when I used to get shot, stabbed and cut up and beat up and all the madness. I had this vivid dream about this. It, all I can say is he looked like, um, you know the Kentucky Fried Chicken man off the advert, the white geezer with the beard? Yep. The, uh, yeah, yeah. He looked like a ringer for him and he come to me in my dream speaking in English and went, listen, I'm going to guarantee you something now. Yeah? He said, but what you said about staying away from all these people, if you can stay, because like what I said to them, my energy before I went to sleep, I said, look, if you get me out of this, yeah, like, I promise you, yeah, I won't hurt anybody ever again for these people. I won't do anything for these people. I will actually move out of the country, I promise you. And then basically, I spoke and spoke and spoke, and then I went over sleep. And then th that guy came to me, it was like a spirit guy, he comes to me every couple of years. And he comes to me and he said, look, if you mean what you said about not having nothing to do with these people, I'll guarantee you no less than five years. He said, you won't be doing no more than five years in prison. So I was like, are you joking? He was like, no. I said, I promise you. I said, hey, bro, if I leave the country then, right? And I promise you, I won't work with these people ever again. He said, if you do that, I'll get you out in five and a half years. I said, straight? He said, yeah. I said, I'm gone. So then when I woke up, I thought, wow, sweet. Left, so I've gone on a visit. And my missus... Really, you really believe this spiritual moment? Yeah, he said, give me my, my whole entire life. So um, I've gone on a visit. I've gone to the missus. I know you're going to think I'm stupid. I said, but I had one of them dreams last night. I'm doing no less than five years in prison, so if you can accept me living on the road, on my toes forever, then I'm out of it. But I'm doing no more than five and a half years in these places. She went, shut up. I said, I'm telling you, I've had the dream, mate. And then she was like, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. And then six, eight weeks later, I got a five and a half year sentence. So then, bam. And then I got told I've got to go to Spain. Come out, and I said, we've got to go to Spain. She didn't want to come at first. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then, bam, I went to Spain. And that was it. What was the plan in Spain? Anything? Do you have any connections out there? Anything at that point? No, just money? my pal. Just my pal Diddy. Did you have any money when you travelled out there? Um, just... I had a few quid lined up, like, and I had money spinning in that like, because I sort of plugged someone into a network and added value to what they were doing. And I took a commission for that, okay. but it was illegal. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So, so you get a little wage out of that. Yeah, basically I set something up so it was clockwork, like that. And I left people in control of it, and then everybody got a drink for looking after it, basically. And then I went over there, and then, um, yeah, that fell apart after a year. 
and then um, so where did you move to initially in Spain when you went out there? Marbella, straight um, to Marbella, straight yeah. to Luan, 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 yeah, Port Banos, <coughs> all around Port Banos. Marbella is not actually Port Banos. It's two different areas. So how was it when you first moved out there? Obviously, absolutely loving the climate. Yeah, started, loving it, just... loving it, loving it. Got over there first. Um, got over there. We drove over there, and it was just like paradise. You driving down palm trees everywhere. Like go down the beach. There's loads of people on the beach. It's buzzing. It's busy. You got party beaches where people are raving on the beach. Then you got family beaches where people are chilled out. Then you got um, fun beaches where people are having fun on go karts. And like, there's loads of different things for loads of different beaches. And then you got the really chilled out Chicana beaches where the South Americans go and things like that. Do you know what I mean? So. You got a, a choice of everything you want to do, but everything: sun, sand, beach, horse riding, swimming pool, nightclubs, yachts, big cars, and that is all it is: big asses, lovely landscape. Everything's landscaped over there, like you couldn't imagine. Do you know what I mean, everything's just paradise. It's just paradise. Just, just, it's, just, it's literally a man-made paradise, yeah. you know, and. You're just taking in everywhere. Like I lived on Los Flamingos. It was one of the best um, housing developments in that area. And that's where President Obama came and stayed when he came to Spain. Do you know what I mean? Him and his family stayed. They landed in front of my house. I was sitting there, helicopters coming from near home. Do you know what I mean? Big old fucking helicopter. Me like a dickhead. Um, someone wanted a couple of bits of graft and I had to drop a couple of bits of graft off. And as I come out of the ass, well, how long was it before you got into dodgy stuff out there? Straight away, I got into it. We managed to get into circles and instant. That. Don't do you like you were trapped or did... you find the criminals? Is it more so? You just listen when you are a certain time, like they say, real recognizes real, right? So if I walk into a room, yeah, and I say to someone, listen, I'm looking for a bit of path, I don't get told I can't get none. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can talk to people like on a different level, isn't it? So I was just like, hello, mate, hello, mate, hello, mate, how we doing, mate? So as it go down to the bars, you started meeting all the faces? And no, the... you get introduced, like, people knew who I was before I even got over there, and then the older villain say, who's that, Marv? Mate, listen, I'm telling you about this kid. So then they tell them about you. Yeah. So you don't have to promote yourself because your reputation speaks for itself. So when people meet you, they realise. Do you know what I mean? When they meet me, they know it's the heart on the sleeve. Like, I've met the biggest villains in the world, mate. And I've always just been me, but so. And uh, what was it you were getting into out there? Was it doing debt work? Anything. Was it drugs? No, see, it was anything. When I first got over there, it was like no man's world. And so, what am I going to do? Yeah. What's available? Drugs, What's available? Every, everything's available. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, the only thing. Well, obviously, because I'm a robber, I went over there and I started looking at doing a couple of jewelers, a couple of the vans because they had the security vans that delivered the money, but they're not that secure. But they are armed up. So I thought, right, who would I do a bit of work over here with? How would I do it? How would I get about? Who would I get my cars from? And there's people. But the funny thing with the Spanish is they're all connected to old Bill somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So they all talk. Do you know what I mean? And once I have a few drinks, they're not safe. And because they've got a different rule of conduct over there, like, they all speak to the police differently how they speak to police in England, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they actually, they all respect their police, so they don't really keep their mouth shut. Yeah, I've got a few friends in Spain and they're petrified of the Guardia Seville. Petrified of yeah. them. 
massive respect for them they've got. Yeah. And that's the thing you're facing over there. So everyone over there who gets nicked just tells the police everything they need to know. <coughs> and so then you decided the armed robbery thing wasn't the way to go down there. forward down there, you're going to get nicked. <coughs> so then it was parcels. So I've got a few parcels sent home, um, lined a few people up. So who you were working with initially, who were your first... Um, I'm not going to tell you anything like not that. Not people with contact Moroccans were you working with, is it Puff sending back or...? Well, yeah. 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 Did you get into the Moroccans straight away, man? Just get yeah, you, you've got them, haven't you? They, 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 they're all the path, you know, cunts. Yeah. So I mean, the, the Moroccans and the Dutch you've got to work with no matter what. So I mean, if you're in the Puff game, and then the South Americans for the Bugle, or the Sniff. <coughs> So, I mean, everyone else is just grafting like you. Yeah. But I came into contact with everybody you needed to, and I'm a fair bit of conflict, had a couple of hairy situations, you know, and then. Um, so, did you, you have to sort of prove yourself out there again? Like you got to prove yourself anywhere. Similar to the same thing, yeah, you'll see your reputation didn't no, precede you that right, much. Let me explain something to you, right? Now, when you go into a foreign territory, right? and you're getting smoke blown up your ass by people from a different country. The people that blowing smoke up your ass, uh, only blowing smoke up your ass so they look good. But the people you go and sit in front of, they need to know who you really are, innit? So you get tested, yeah. do you know what I mean? And to see if you're really this guy. So I stood up all, all the tests, do you know what I mean? I had a couple of situations. Do you know what I mean? Just to see, like, people took me away in the car once, took me away from my missus, thought I was going to fold. Do you know what I'm saying? I dashed the tool in the front of the car and I said, do what you got to do with that, mate. Do you know what I mean? Or fucking, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I spat on one of them, jumped out of the car to have a row with the other one. I said, you got a bunch of mugs, mate, take me back to my missus, you fucking cheeky cunt, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so you've, you've obviously passed all the tests with flying colours out there. You're doing a bit of graft at the same time. And then when did you start doing some debts and stuff for other firms? When obviously your reputation had built so now much? We, see, it wasn't debts. See, I hate when people just do it like that. It wasn't debts for other firms. What happened is a mate of mine had come and say, Marv, do you know someone called such and such? And I'd say, as it happens, I do. I say, can you do me a favour, mate? Could you have a word of him for me, please? And I say, do you know what, mate? I'll and it was just basically that simple. Marv, do you know, mate, I don't know him, but I know he knows one of my pals. I'll speak to one of my pals for you. Well, and you naturally get a commission or something out of this. Mate, I didn't want nothing. I never earned money out of all that stuff. So you're... I never earned any money unless I'd done something, son. I never took a penny off anybody. So I've heard before you said you might freelance, you weren't connected to one thing. Which is I never had a boss, so I could work with anybody. Simple. So if you've got a problem with him, that's your problem, mate. Don't ask me to do anything for you. So if, I, if I've got a problem with someone and I need something done to them, I can pay you to do something. You're fucking mad, times. mate. No, do with it yourself. You do your own work and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Do with it yourself. What do you need me for? I don't come to you when I've got to deal with my problems. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything's got to be dealt with in us when you go to that level. Isn't it? Otherwise, what the fuck? Mm. So, um, did you ever get involved in growing cannabis at all while you are out in Spain? Of course I did, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I think anybody sensible does. It's legal over there, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, you can have up to three, three plants, which might be more than that. So you only have three plants? No, but you do them outside, so they're massive. They go up to a, a key and a half on the plant, if you do them right. And then you trim them and make them grow outwards, and you just get loads of buds. 
you know what I mean? But you obviously grow a few more than you're allowed. Everyone does. It's not... Because all they do in Spain is confiscate what they want. That's it. So if they come and you've got too much, they just take it. You get a little fine. Done. So, I mean, it's not that much of an issue like it is there. Yeah, do you ever start making any decent money out of uh, the ground out there, cannabis? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I've done quite a few bits. I don't really want to go into the particulars. Don't talk about certain figures, obviously. That's what I'm saying. There might be legalities for that. But, but you make decent living, money. That's I had enough money to live in my band, mate. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Enjoying the best, finest things ever. Travelling first class. Yeah. Are you travelling first class? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I don't like first class. I like business class. Yeah. Right? And I only really like flying Emirates. But, yeah, business class. First class is too isolated. And I don't like isolation. I've done enough bird. It don't make sense enjoying all that opulence on your own. Course. Do you know what I mean? At least I want to meet other people. Like in business class, you meet other people, you walk up, you have a drink, you have a laugh, you can meet people. It's networking, isn't it? I'm traveling, I want to network, I want to meet people from all around the planet, at all different levels. So yeah. why do I want to not talk to people? Sitting in my own, my own little cubicle, doing nothing in first class. Like, why? Of course. Do you know what I mean? And the good thing about it is, once you go business class, you can go up and use the, fir the first class shower. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You ever seen a first class shower? No. Shower. I've been in first class. I've been in business class. I'll send you the video. So, I've yeah. got videos. Nice. We've got videos. Nice. And that was really sick. And in the first class, all the soap and all the aftershave is Bulgari. No, Hermes. Hermes. Hermes, yeah. The same Hermes I wear, yeah. Detroit. Nice. Yeah, sick. So I thought, what a blind um, It's made for me. Mm. Sick. I'm real. So, um, how was. How, at that time there, did you really feel like you'd made it when you were in Spain at these times, living the life and this, had you reached Yeah, man, I did, I thought I cracked it, yeah. yeah I then. really did think I cracked it. I actually believed, yes, this is it, I've cracked it, I'm never coming back, and that's it now, it's, it's non-stop. Yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But obviously, you only listen to the cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You don't listen to the headache, the drama, the suffering, the police, the headaches in between. Do you know what I mean? And then you got to deal with everything. And that's when you realise you ain't worth it. It's loads getting lost, getting in debt, it's when loads getting lost, having to... But that's what people... See, people only see the colourful side of drug dealing that the police want you to see. They don't see the losses. They don't see the headache. They don't see the dramas that the people involved are. Granted, it's self-inflicted. Do you know what I mean? But it's suffering. Do you know what I mean? Like... Even the runners, the packers, the back and packers, people will wrap it up and they've got to deliver it. Uh, they get paid peanuts. Of course. I mean, they get paid peanuts. They've got to wrap all the puff up, spray it, pack it, and put it in the gaff. And most of them are like, it's like slave labour, but because they've got an avenue to get a bit of puff when it goes home, they give it a big one. Do you know what I mean? But it's like slave labour. Do you know what I mean? You're risking your living. If you get nicked, you're going to prison. And then you get told you get looked after when you come home and you're sweet. Don't worry about it. So... Wrapping, packing, living, driven, fucking delivering, uh, ordering. It's just, so you lose one parcel, right? Then you got to bail something to get it back and then hopefully you don't lose nothing out of that to pay that in full. But usually you got to spin from one person to another, pay people to pay Paul, and then something else goes wrong or someone gets nicked or someone fucks off or someone even goes on holiday for a couple of weeks. Do you know what I mean? You've got no money coming in because one person's just pissed off and knocks his phone off. 
and his money's, oh, I was, uh, I thought I had the money locked in the safe, so I thought I'd be all right, sorry. You think, you know what, I'm needing it. Like, you know, you know what it's like if you've been in it. People know, you need that money now, it ain't yours. People aren't paying, so. It was just a very turbulent existence for me in that world. And I tried it at every level, and every level wasn't consistent or sustainable enough for me and my network, so I couldn't do it. And how dangerous was it out in Spain around them times in Marbella? Was much gangland activity? Maybe well, I got shot five times. The price, obviously, obviously yours. Well, no, people get, I got shot in a spate. If you listen to the write-ups, it's in a spate of shootings. Yeah. And they said I was shot in a, in a tap, tap for tap. So how long have you been out there? You got shot in what year? 2000, I've been out there two years. What year did you get shot? 2008. 2008. The end of 2008, August 2008, I got shot. And can we talk about the circumstances between behind you getting shot? So obviously up until that point, so it's only a couple of year period you've been out there before that. I was out there making a bad, I was making a splash. I was taking and doing and being everything you could be in that world, you know. Um, yeah, it was it was just a turbulent roller coaster of emotions on a journey to what I thought would be sort of uh, euphoria. Do you know what I mean? But the fucked up thing about it, it wasn't one of these foreign gangs that was upset that you were covering muscle on your turf. It was your driver who ended up fucking trying to, would you say, trying to assassinate you? Must have been if he's shooting you point black in the end. Yeah, this is the, I want to give you the same scenario I'll give everybody else, right? That basically, he took a watch off one of my mates, um, never paid for the watch. He was my driver. So basically, what I used to do, anytime he had money, I'd, I'd have to pay him. So I remember at my mate's house, my mate said, he's got some watch, I said, I'm all right. So he said, can I have this watch? I said, yeah, of course you can. My mate said, is you all right? I said, yeah, I'll make sure he gives you the money. Not a problem. A couple of days later, I got a deal. I'd done a deal with a couple of cars and I got a couple of hundred grand. So I go, oh, I'll give him a chunk of money. So I expected he went and paid for it. And then a couple of days later, something else happened. We went out, went out, went out. And prior to this evening, I told him that you got to start paying your bills or contributing. I'm not having you freeloading like Every time we went out, he's fucking not paying the bills. And I was paying for everything. So I said to him, You need to pull your weight. So I'm watching him, watching him, watching him, watching him. There's no, I said, Look, mate, come, we need to start all this bollocks, mate. I ain't having it. I said, mate, do me a favour. I don't want nothing more to do with you. I don't want you to come out sociably with me no more. Because you give me the hump. I mean, you don't want to put your hand in your pocket. I pay you enough money to put your hand in your pocket, mate. And then all of a sudden, your friends come home from England. You go and spend all your money with them. But you don't want to spend your money on me and my pals. I don't want you around me no more when we're out. And we sort of fell apart and I stopped seeing him. And then I found out he had an issue with a couple of villains here. And I'd stopped talking to a couple of people a couple of weeks prior. And I thought that was a bit weird. Why are they picking the phone up no more? And then I found out that this fella owed someone that they knew some money. So I thought, oh, well, he owes them some money. Anyway, cut a long story short, a couple of weeks later, um, I get a phone call off my mate, said, Am I going to pay him for the watch? I was like, what watch? Real quickly, pause you. Did you have issues with these said people that he owed money to? No. Listen, what you've got to understand about Marvin Herbert, Marvin Herbert ain't had no issues with no one. Do you understand? Right. The only issues I've had these people have had issues with me. Yeah. But I ain't got no issues with people. People keep blowing smoke up their own ass and then blowing their own trumpets, mate. Do you know what I mean? I'm just being me. Simple. 
Do you know what I mean? It ain't my fault people want to call me names. It ain't my fault people want to say things about me. It ain't my fault, is it? Okay, so just, sorry, Paul. So just getting back to you, so you and the driver parted ways, then suddenly you've had a little four nights. And then he made you me up about the watch, and I just thought, cheeky cunt, ain't he paid for it? I'll give him some money. And where I had a couple of hundred grand, I know he's had a good chunk of money. He's had a good, he's had a good few quid. There's no way he would, he would have had anything like five grand or ten grand. He would have had 20, 30, maybe 40 grand. I don't know, but... Yeah. I'm not a tight come when I get money. So if I've got 200 grand in my hand, you're getting a chunk of money. You're not getting silly money, right? So I thought, you cheeky cunt. So I've rung him up. I said, mate, what are you going to do about this watch, you cheeky cunt? He said, what's he going to do with you? I said, what's he going to do with me, you fucking animal? He said, you took off my mate in his ass, down to me, and you ain't paid him and you've had money. He said, well, I think you're trying to bully me. Oh, I hit the roof, you cheeky cunt. Bully you for what? Bully you for watching what you talk. You're wearing it on your wrist, you cheeky. It's over. Where are you? Where are you? He said, well, I said, where are you? Come to see you now. He said, I'm down the pub. So I said, I'm coming. Where? He said, Solly's. So I said, I'm coming. So I took my gun out, give it to my nephew. Said, I'll be back in a minute. Go and punch his fat cunt's head in. Yeah, so you were going to go and beat him up. Yeah. I was going to bash him up. When I turned up, he weren't there. His sidekick, Mark Carpell, was there. Um... He started ranting on. I said, mate, your mate's no value. This is what's happened. This is what he's all about. And this is what needs to happen. He said, I never knew that. I'm sorry. Go down to the gym. I'll bring him down tomorrow. I said, no, he's got to come back. No, he's got to get a tool. He can fucking use it. Simple. When he come back, I didn't think he had a gun. I thought he'd have a blade or a bat. When he pulled the gun out, I said, you better fucking do what you come to do, mate. I ain't money no man. And I tried to get to him to get the gun off him. But I think he anticipated that. Shot me in my leg. So honestly, did you, you didn't think he would do something like that to you? Otherwise, you would have left obviously. I didn't think he had the arsehole initially to do it. So when I went towards him to get the gun off him, because I thought if I get close enough, I'd better grab him, knock him out. You've done stuff like this before, too. Yeah, obviously. yeah. I've, gone out, I've grabbed guns off a couple of people, not loads of people, only twice, but yeah. um, I've gone to grab it and he just shot me straight in the leg. And I've hit the deck straight away, just shattered my leg. I'll show you the picture of that so you can see the, the picture of that in a minute. So that shattered my leg, put me on the floor. And then I remember saying to him, you better finish your job. I wish I never said that to him, because I think he might have gone after the first shot. But I don't know. Because he shot me, and then shot me, and then shot me, and then walked over to me and shot me twice in the face. So sometimes I really don't know. But I've got other theories as well. So other information I've received, but I would have done that on my platform in due course when I get enough evidence to back up what I think. But yeah, it's just a crazy scenario. But the truth will come out eventually, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but so I can't believe... I can't believe he was just over that watch. I can't. I can't. Do you know what I mean? It's impossible. So uh, once the evidence comes in, all will be revealed on your channel, yeah. Marvin Herbert, YouTube channel, in yeah. due course. Yeah. There's no anger attributed to that investigative mindset. It's just, I know, I've always known. Do you know what I mean? But now I might be able to prove it. And I publicly... Have you ever, ever had a conversation with the fellow who shot you since now? So I'd love to. Or nothing like this? I'd love to. Have you ever tried to no. get hold of him and find him? Um, no, but I moved to near his area. And I went to gyms that I know he went to. And he never, ever showed up. I mean, he's never reached out. I've reached out to him a couple of times on social media since I've got this platform set up. Uh, I had no responses from him. I would do I'm not angry with him because I know the strength of him. He'll still feel inferior to me. 
you understand? Because he will still need a gun to come in my company. That will never change. Do you understand what I mean? So he will never feel safe in my company unless he's got a gun. So that's why we'll never meet. Because he will never believe or trust that I want to do nothing to him because he knew me back then. He was with me. He was with me when I went to put it on the Russians. Well, I never went to put it on the Russians. I always thought I was taking a brothel of a couple of Spanish geezers. And when I turned up, it was like maybe eight to 12, I can't remember the exact number, big lumpy Russians. And I went, come on, mate. He went, I ain't getting out of the car. <laughs> and he stayed in the car when I went to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? And I got dealt with. What, well, you meant, did, did they back down or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've spoke about this already, so I can tell you. Um, a friend of mine had a couple of villas. He went in one of the villas out to a, a, a Russian firm, Russian and Bulgarian firm. And uh, basically they never paid him and they bumped him. And then the place was getting repossessed. So the geezer who owned the building said to me, Marv, could you get him out? Because if you get him out, I can sell it. If I sell it, I'll give you X amount. So I said, well, look, if, I, if you want me to get someone out there, you've got to pull up 150 grand first, otherwise it ain't going to happen. I think there's going to be a three million pound bust up in, along the way somewhere. So I said, you've got to pull up at least um, um, 150 quid so I can pay people to come and do the work. Don't payment on the, the work. Yeah, I ain't working for nothing. Got so, any materials like any job. Yeah, so he said, um, yeah, sweet, not a problem. So boom, he's pulled up. He's pulled up some of the reddies. So I've gone to work, and then basically I've gone in to the ass, the Russian bodyguards in there, all the guys in there looking after the guy. And I sort of put it on him. He couldn't speak English properly, but I fried him a little bit, and then he went to leave. And as he left, I see the Oasis name on the back of his T-shirt, which was the firm of villains that owned the brothel in Estepona. Um, and as he's gone out, I've said, fuck to them, we've got to go down the brothel. So we all went down the brothel, then we waited outside with the, with the security. I've gone in on my own, booted the office door open, gone in, grabbed the owner by the face, slammed him up against the wall, screaming at him that I want the money for my ass. I want the money for my house. My ass is getting repossessed because of you, you fucking animal. Do you think I'm some sort of a cunt? And I've explained to him that I've just come out of jail, I've come over here to go into my ass, I'm getting told by my uncle that it's getting repossessed. Are you fucking stupid? Do you realise who you're playing with? So I've slapped him up a little bit, made him open his safe. Going nuts at him, you can't. You know, mate, mate, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. It's my partner, you need to speak to my partner. So then he took me to his partner's ass. Under duress. I've called his partner out, told the partner that the same thing, grabbed him up, slapped him up a little bit, so I'm all my fucking money. Because I was always told up, it didn't matter to me. So they was just getting pistol whipped on pistol butt. Do you know what I remember, I said, look, 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 sweet, sweet, sweet. Not a problem, not we'll sort something out. So then this fella said to me, come and let's go. So as we're driving back, he said, listen, my partner's a bastard. He should have said X, Y, Z to you because he's done the thing. He brought these people to the house. I don't want him in my business. He said, what I'll do tomorrow, if you want, he said, I'll give you half of his, I'll give you his half of the business and then we can work the money off. I don't want any problems with you, my brother. I don't want any problems with you. So I was like, yeah. I said, what's the turnover? He said, it's a good couple of hundred grand a year, mate. So you do it, you, you five, 10, 15 grand a month. You want a good little wage, man. And I was like, oh, I'll come and speak to you tomorrow. So I went, all right, sweet. So the next day, yeah, I've gone to turn up. <clears throat> As I've turned up, 
<coughs> Fuck, look at that little phone. So I said, no, I'm getting out. <coughs> Mark said, they ain't getting out. So I've just jumped out. Bowled up to the phone. I walked up to the geezer who owed me the money. I said, mate, am I getting paid? I said, am I getting my money? Have you got my money? Am I getting paid? What's going on? And he's like, Whoa. and then the rush is my friend, my friend. I was like, mate, am I getting paid? Am I getting paid? Like, what am I here for? Why, why have you asked me to come here? You asked me to come and speak to you about getting paid, and now there's loads of people here. My friend, my friend, we can go the easy way, we can go the hard way. So I'm just switching. I said, mate, I'm going to ask you one fucking question or one question only. Yeah? Am I getting paid? Yes or no? He looked me up and down. Well, uh, you take hashish? I said, yeah, I'll take hashish. He said, then you can get paid. I said, when? He said, tomorrow. And then I turned up the next day, they had half the money that was owed for the rent. So I said, oh, I will take it. I was going to pay the other half of money coming up. And then basically, I've gone to the geezer, what's this? I've gone to the geezer with the money and said, right, look, they've paid this, they've paid that. And this is what ways I've got to take out. And this is what I'm saying. He said, no, you can't take nothing out of that. I was like, say that again. I said, you had to give me 150 grand up front, right? You give me about 30 grand, they tell me I can't take this. I said, are you fucking joking? And in that same geezer, I started going around telling everyone that I robbed him. I was like, wow, you haven't paid me for the job. You've got your house, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, cut a long story short, <clears throat> me and him had a conflict over the, the last bit of Reddies. Um, and then I'm shot a couple of days later. So I go to the hospital thinking, oh, what a load of bollocks. Anyway, been shot in the hospital, thinking about what I'm gonna do. And so there wasn't, at that point there, was there any thoughts of giving up the life of crime when you were in the hospital bed? No, I was just thinking, oh, I've gotta get better. Was there vengeance on your, the main thing yeah. in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just chopping his hands and feet off and taking his eyes. That's what I was gonna do, stabbing him in his eyes. Is in all fairness, I was, I was, I was glad he kept me alive. I'm glad he never finished the job. Do you know what I mean? Like, Didn't seem like it was really lack of trying. Yeah, but was, listen, he never tried hard enough. And then and he should have made sure. And that was the mindset I had, and he's going, that's it, I'm going. And um, so when then he went and handed himself in when he knew you'd survived, obviously, and then made big statements and stuff like this, what was your feelings then towards him even more so? You fucking, he's tried, done this to me now. He's, I just thought, you know what, even better for me. Because now he will get repatriated, he'll come back to England, he'll go on probation, and I'll get his address. So I'll know where he is when I want to. That's not a problem for me, because that's not hard. Do you know what I mean? I can do that. I, I've had links in the world then, do you know what I mean, to go and get people's addresses. I can find anyone. As long as they've been on probation or on some sort of license, I can find them. Do you know what I mean? And that's it. Um, and that's everybody out there. You, they can get found. It's not hard. As long as you've had a probation order or a license or even signed on the dole or any benefits, your address is on probably file. Do you know what I mean? Like, what do people think? Don't take rocket science. And um, so obviously after you've been shot, there must be quite a, a recovery process. So. Yeah, two and a half years. But then the recovery progress just helped me grow. I met... Um, what about earning during that point there? Were you earning any money? Well, like, that's when I got into the growing. That's when I started getting into the growing. That's what sort of got me through all the bullshit, really. Yeah. Do you know what I'm um, I got into a little firm <coughs> from Estepone who was doing nice bits. Um, and I had transport and exit. So it made sense adding value to what they had and basically getting them a little bit more money than they could in Spain. And that was it. So I grafted in other countries. 
and uh, need a few quid to live on. So that couple of years during the process of recovery, you just had a few bits of being it was quite conflict-free other than... There weren't no conflict. I never had any conflict anyway. Yeah, the only conflict I've had was getting shot. That yeah. was it. I've made all friends over there. And the conflict I did have was just business-related, where I wouldn't back down. <clears throat> the fellow who shot him, obviously, he, he got, went to Spanish jail, did he? For a little while, and then come back to England. Yeah, did you not try and find him in the Spanish jail? Or get... I wonder when he come out. I, I'm no good finding him in jail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he gets cut and scratched and beaten. I wanted to take his hands, take his feet, and stab his eyes out. That was my only intention. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I was happy waiting for him to go back to where he went to, getting back with the bird he got back with, and moving into the house he did. And everything I thought he would do, he done. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't know that the bird he was with, I had links to from laying buzzard. And people plugged into his people. I knew when he was, I knew he was having a problem when he was on probation with his ex. I knew everything that was going on in his life. Do you know what I mean? Because I was actually still planning on taking his hands and his feet until I actually come back in 2015. That was my only intention with that geezer. Do you know what I mean? And when I come back on the trial, it wasn't until after the trial I thought, do you know what? My life, yeah, can be so peaceful and calm, or I can go back to prison. Yeah. And after coming out of strange ways, I just thought, you know what? It ain't worth a day for me. So I started doing the rehabilitation and retribution work with people and getting in, talking, public speaking, motivating speaking. And I thought, I've got a knack to help people. So. If I can help him grow into a better person and make him look in the mirror and feel proud of himself rather than pretending he's hard, pretending he's a gangster, pretending he's this and he's that, when really he's just half the man he should be, like I was, you know? Um, so you ended up making an absolute remarkable recovery, physical recovery, and ended up in 2010, you had, is it 2010? 2012 it was, 2012. I had a fight, wasn't it? I don't know, when was it? I think 2000, 2012, yeah. Yeah, so unbelievable recovery. Told you weren't going to walk again and ended up somehow having a boxing match. Talk to us about that achievement and what that feeling was. Well, that was that all point. I ever wanted to do, get back on my feet and be able to have a decent fight. And that's what I was just... I knew I couldn't be Marvin Herbert unless I could have a fight. So I have to get back to fighting fitness. And that's what I've done. I got myself back to fighting fitness so I can provide my family with a future no matter what. And that was my only drive and goal into getting back on my feet, making sure I can make a pound note to provide for my family. And um, around them times, Ed, the, you said that, I've heard you previously say that Daniel Kinahan came into your life around them times, Ed, so aided you with recovery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not aiding me with recovery, but just helped me mentally, you know, helped me massively mentally. Like, I learned so much from not just him, his dad, his brothers, his friends, you know, his aunties, that. And it's just, knowing that people from different worlds, yeah. they've got a different principle in life and a different mindset and a different agenda. You know, like, in England, everybody's got this using agenda. So, I mean, like, if you walk into a gaff and offer anybody a drink, everybody will have a drink. Yeah. Whereas the Irish, you walk into a gaff and offer everybody a drink, they'll be thinking, well, what's he offering us all a drink for? Yeah, I said that Albanians are exactly the same. No, they don't you want to know buy, that. You can't buy them a drink. Yeah, you can yeah. walk into a bar, buy them a drink. You can't do that in, in Ireland either. It's yeah. all the same, you know. It's just like the principles on friendship, the principles on family, like, 
the way they lived and the way they respected what you do and how you've done it. Like, now, although they give him bad press, you could live around them for six months and you wouldn't think they're at it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so is it purely a personal relationship you had with him? Or was it yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was, me, friend and family. That was it, I won in any business with him at all. And you wouldn't, like, even the car, they don't drive the biggest cars. Like, they want, like, they, they drive, their mates drive nice cars, but they're in the basic, simple cars, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think when I was... Daniel's was not flashy, man. No, I think when I was him, he was driving a Golf and a Hyundai. Was it not a Hyundai? It might have been buying a Hyundai. It sounded like a really weird car. Or it might have been a Nissan Qashqai or something like that. You know, like, mm -hmm. they're not into the flash motors and they're just good businessmen that get on with life, you know? That's, from, that's the perspective I got from them. And I know they get a world of bad press, but... It's not wanted for what they've become. Okay. No. And there was um, someone else of natural speaking, Peter Fury, who you came into contact with at them times in Spain, didn't you? And you end up becoming a close friend of the Fury family. Yeah, well. yeah, we've all, we've, all, we've all been through our own stuff outside of boxing and in boxing, but yeah, we're all, we're all close, pretty close. When Ben Tyson, when Tyson was thin as you like, I remember when Tyson filled out. Do you know what I mean, like, yeah, I remember when I was young as well because I remember being around their uncle and their uncle's friends when we were doing stuff. And I remember them saying he's going to be the next world champion. And uh, I never believed it. I thought he was too wiry back then when he was a kid. But I didn't know the intricate skills he had. Yes. I was seeing from a distance. I thought, he's too wiry, mate. We'll get caught. So um, around them times, obviously, you're fully engrossed in all the games, like you say, the peak. A pinnacle of the criminal world, you're getting doing deals, sending bits of work here and there, maybe getting involved. So then suddenly something went wrong. One of your relationships ended up taking a bad turn with the fella from Manchester. Ended up having sort of serious impact on your life at that point. Um, yeah, that was the, the, my financial belly, though. Where, my what, financial where did the conflict belly. come from? But why did he think to do this? I don't Everything know. So no, he's dead now, so I don't know why he felt the need to do what he'd done. But he owed you a significant amount of money. He decided he was going to try and go back other ways. You found out that he was trying to get you knocked off, and that's obviously there's no going back from that. I'll correct you there. He weren't in debt with me, basically. What happened was I was working with Dave for a couple of years, and um, because he was so wealthy, um, I never actually took any money off him. I just left all my money in the bank. So I just he just looked after everything I had. And I had a record of what he had in his possession that belonged to me, basically. I kept the record mentally and I wrote a bit down and I remembered exactly what he'd had, where it had come from and what I was owed. And um, So one day you called up for your money. And he said, I ain't got that. Point blank to you, like. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, I went, do you know what, I'll, I'll get back on in a minute. So I rang a couple of his mates who I've done business with, accumulated a few quid with. And I was like, remember that day we done that thing? And they was like, yeah. I said, well, where was that money? They said, he went to him. I said, the news was it? They said, it was yours. I said, it had nothing to do with him. They said, no. I said, all right, sweet. He's trying to say it's his. They said, no, it was yours, definitely yours. I said, all right, sweet. So the people that I rang, they all said exactly the same thing. So I rang him back and I said, look, I need to see you. So I come back. 
he was at a calf and I just all said, look, you're wrong, mate. Uh, you've got my money. You that you never done any deals outside of what I was doing with these people. These people paid me. You got the transfer. The money's mine, and yeah. you owe me the max amount of money for X, Y, Z. And he went, and as I give him the list of money he owed me for, he ripped it up. So then, basically, uh, a little mad. So does it, and the, is that when you end up breaking his legs? Yeah. Well, there was a little commotion, and then he ended up with two compound fractures where both his shin bones popped out of his shins and he was lying on the floor. What I did do was take his watch off and split his eye and his nose open by hitting him in the face with his watch, telling him I wanted my money. And I was demanding my money off him. I said, don't fucking play with me, mate. So I mean, the energy's got a funny way of getting people and I'm coming for my punning and I want every penny, you horrible cunt of a man. Was this, this broad daylight? And yeah, outside one of the bars. His missus had more arsehole than him. She attacked me for uh, um, some big, uh, not a big thing, but some advertisement and board. She picked up for me, screaming her head off. <clears throat> he was on the floor in bits. And then... Uh, and and you, had you found out the information that he was trying to get knocked off at that point? Then no, that, that never happened until a couple of days later. Mm. Yeah, that never happened until a couple of days later. So a couple of days later, I get a phone call from someone <clears throat> and uh, they say, look, mate, he's offered me 150 grand to iron you out. I said, are you joking? He was like, nah. I was like, what the fuck? I said, all right, sweet, not a problem. I said, what we'll do, when you come over, you go in there and ask him when you're going to get paid and how you're going to get paid. Once he agrees to terms and conditions, I walk in behind you and think, ask him if he thinks it's going to be that simple to get me on that. And then what we'll do, we'll either bill him or kill him, innit? It's as simple as that. And that's the choice he gets. And uh, get a couple of million quid out of him. That was the plan straight away, instantly, when that happened. So, <clears throat> um, and didn't he get taken out of the hospital or something? Yeah, well, when my mate come over, He's gone to the hospital. His intention was go to the hospital, make sure it was all sweet, then bell me, then do what he had to do. But he went to the hospital, and old Bill turned up, Socko turned up, firm-handed, and they was taking Dave home under protection. And then he went home. Now old Bill sat outside his front door for a couple of weeks, and uh, I got a notice not to go anywhere near his ass, or I was deemed as a direct threat to his life and his safety. And because it was an armed police vehicle on the drive, I just thought that was a direct threat against my life if I went near his ass. <clears throat> um, I got another couple of death warnings, four or five, I think. Um, what they call Osmond warnings, threats to life. Um, and then I got another notice not to engage, and then another couple more threats to life. Didn't he have quite a notorious um, bodyguard around them times? The fellow with the tattoo died in Ireland. I don't know. You're on about Billy? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Billy at all or anything like this? Did yeah. You, did you have a relationship with Billy? Like, yeah, I knew Billy. And so Billy was obviously getting paid to look after him around these times. 
I don't know. That's what they, I did a bit of research. That's what they were saying in the papers. But he was his bodyguard around these times. Yeah, he had an unfortunate accident though, did he, Billy? Yeah, but he had a, a strange accident in Ireland. He said he fell out a window trying to break into his place because he had lost a key or something. This is what they presumed. He done what? They said he'd locked himself out of his place. Yeah. Presumed, and he he fell out off the roof or something <laughs> like this. Um, they presume he must have been drunk trying to get back into his house, having left his locked himself out after a piss up and yeah, he died in the most unforeseen circumstances. But um, Dave Campbell ended up having a untimely death, didn't he? Very shortly after from, was it a heart attack or something? Yeah, he died like Elvis apparently. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So obviously whatever went on, rest in peace to um, my thoughts to his family. Yeah, I've gone well with Billy as it happens. I never had any issues with Billy, he was right. Was he as serious as they made out? He had quite a reputation. That's all everyone has a reputation, you know, and then we're all just flesh and blood in the skin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's how simple it is. It's just who's quicker, who's gamer, and who's got less fear than anyone else wins every battle. So it's not about who's got the biggest dick. <clears throat> it's just about who's doing the right thing, really. That's where I think that, do you know what I mean? Like, everyone can pull the trigger. I yeah. wear that mindset. So you can kill me as quick as I can kill you. Yeah. Simple. What makes me any different to you? Cool. I mean, it's when you've got that ostentatious sort of bully mindset where I've got a gun, so you've got to do as you're told. Like, no. Do you understand? Cool. Like, because if I had a gun, you'd be crying like a baby. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's weird because I've never ever used guns in a way of trying to make myself look big or hard. I've always used my hands and that for that. You know, if I wanted to prove a point, I wanted to punch your face in. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So, if I, I wanted to be, if I wanted to prove a point, you're gonna get shot. Do you know what I mean? But if you stab me up yeah. or fucking try to kill me, then I'm gonna defend myself, isn't it? But um, the Dave situation, though, in general, though, was obviously fucking horrific for you because obviously you, he, so he died and, um, and you lost a hell of a lot of money. That must have been impactful on you at the time. It was that you were, you yeah, but you know what? In, all, in all fairness, <clears throat> in all fairness, I lost that money in lieu of me turning my life around, and which was a good thing. Because if I'd have had that money, I might not have even turned my life around. Okay, so what? Who knows? Do you understand? Like, like I never turned my life around because I was skinned. I turned my life around because I was looking at my life thinking, oh, this is all bollocks." But if I was looking at my life with a couple of million quid, thinking, "Where am I going to go?" Then things might be different right now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so obviously after that, though, you did continue grafting for a bit, did you? And then obviously... The so I was grafting up until 2015, just calling that. And then, so when was the Dale Cregan thing? What, what year was that you ended up getting caught up with? Very infamous now figure, Dale Cregan. 2012, I've got Nick for that, but I've known Dale since 2010, 2009. Yeah. I mean, ever since I went back to Manchester, I started doing graft back in Manchester with other people, do you know what I mean? I knew them from then. I'm not specific on the actual dates, but it would have been too, no, 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 uh, no later than 2010. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been back in England until I could walk. Yeah. So I mean, or I was on crutches. If I was on crutches, it would have been 2009, late 2009. Mm. If I weren't on crutches, then it was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Mm. So Dale came into your life briefly. You ended up meeting him out there through the Manchester firms and connections, and yeah. then obviously. He's disappeared. You've got on with whatever. You've ended up having a fallout with 
the Manchester Olders over those ways, and so obviously you're sort of severed ties with Dale around these times, and then obviously he ended up allegedly always being convicted now of killing a couple of people in Manchester. Yeah, he killed a few people out there, didn't he? Well, killed the father and the dad, son, the definitely. father's son, yeah, um, and the two police officers. So four we done. I think he actually shot five other, like three or four other people as well. Yeah, that people don't hear about that. There's other things he's been nicked for as well and charged for, I believe. Yeah. So when you were spending time with him. In Spain, when you first initially meet him, or when I never met him in Spain. Did you not meet him? Oh, when you came back to Manchester, was it you met him? Yeah. I okay, never so met when you were in Manchester, did you think that this guy was someone capable of these sort of actions and that? Did you spend enough time with him to know it? Well, what you've got to understand is when you're in that world, yeah, everybody's capable of pulling the trigger, right? What you got to ask yourself is are they scared of their governor that much? Yeah. Right, so with these lot, Everybody always had a point to prove, so they wanted to prove themselves. So you can see they'd all do anything without thinking of a consequence. And that was the thing with all of them little make love. So Mank being Manchester. You must have had some sort of relationship with him, because obviously after Dale's killed the two father and son, he's reached out to you even regardless. Prior to that we had a decent relationship. Yes. He was the youngster with someone I was having it with. Yeah, so and it wasn't a friendship like you build relationships different to how I build relationship. It was more of a, an understanding that they felt important that I'd speak to them being such a high-ranking figure. Yeah. It wasn't like I needed to be friends. I needed to bring them up, bring me a bit of gear. I needed a bit of money. It weren't yeah. that kind of party. They weren't my youngsters. Yeah. They were someone else's youngsters that I showed a bit of attention to every now and then I was around to make them feel important. That was the basis of our relationship. Yeah, so obviously it wasn't a deep connection, but it was enough that he felt like he could reach out to you or send someone to live. I think he had no option. And he thought, let me get out of the country. Let yeah. me see if I can do this. So, yeah. And um, you ended up turning him down and told him you couldn't help him. But then there was slight complications because he ended up stealing one of your friends' dad's phone. He made his dad's phone. And then he ended up hanging himself in a fucking police station with the phone. And then my mate's dad and his son got nicked. And then I got nicked. In your opinion, was that on purpose? That's not my opinion. That is the fact. Well, no, he got nicked with this phone. I know that's yeah, a fact. Sorry, did he on. do this on hold purpose on. to... Where did you get the phone from, mate? I got the phone from Marvin's mate's house. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. Just so I don't put it on anyone, I'll go and hand myself in with this phone. Yeah. So, so don't talk about opinion. He, he was a criminal. He knew what he was He doing. knew he should have threw that phone away. He knew that phone would have linked me to him. He knew I would have been nicked. He knows that. Anyone would. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. So then obviously you end up getting nicked in Spain. Going extradited, brought back to this fucking piss old country, put in strange ways with a load of shook members making deals with our bill. And uh, what were your thoughts that time? Did you know you were going to bust that case? Because it was finished. I knew when they, when they come with the evidence because... When they come in the evidence, they try to say that we was all friends and part of the same organisation and I was friends with Dave and this and that. And I was like, wow, they're libbies. But what they failed to understand was that Marv was counter-surveillance savvy. So I knew I was under Obo and I knew they'd done certain things. So because I knew I was under Obo and I knew they'd done certain things, they had to document that. So I requested a PII 
or an investigation into it, so they had to produce a PIR as a public community interest hearing, which goes on between the prosecution, the defence lawyer and the judge. And that talks about sensitive information that the jury and the public do not hear about. But they give the insight or the, they can draw inference from it to help with a conviction. Mm. Right? So, um, but I've got all the information about the intelligence because obviously everything's got to be documented what they do, when they observe, when they find. So what you've got to do is find a trail of basically... I have to find a link for Dale and this environment. Right. And he must know people around certain places. So basically what I started doing is everyone that got nicked for Dale Cregan's case, I went through their paperwork in yeah. strange ways, right? And then I found out there was a couple of informants in Dover that had spoken about Dale Cregan coming down and threatening them for money. And then I found out that one of them lived in Herne Bay. And then I found out that one of them lived on the same street than the house that I lived, I was on. Do you understand? Yeah. Mine was number four, and this geezer lived at number five, who was a paid informant, yeah, who Dale Cregan threatened that he was gonna to come to your house and do this. So in my assumption was that he turned up to see this fella, realized that, hold on, that's Marvin's mate's house. Knocked on my mate's dad's door, asked if he can get hold of me. No, he's nicked my mate's dad's phone to see if my name's in the contacts. Do you understand what I'm saying, Chad? Yeah. And where my name's ain't in the contacts, because it weren't his dad's phone, the phone was bought for his son, who was on the road doing all this fucking building work. He's like a mad, mad constructor, right? Yeah. So he's losing phones left, right and centre. So his dad got him a throwaway phone and charged it up and got credit on it. And then Dal Cregan's nicked that, right? Um, and he's gone and handed himself in with that. And we've all been gone away. And then basically because of all the intelligence of all the meetings and all the observing that the police have done in the past prior, I proved that Dave Campbell was wired up on the night that I was on a meeting and we spoke about certain things and the police was aware that it was a financial debt because I've got agreed facts where the police have agreed, right, from their intelligence that me and Dave Campbell had a financial debt. And the only time they could know about that was through the meeting that I went on with Peter Fury and Aaron Coughlin as mediators, Dave Campbell. And when I turned up on the meeting, armed old Bill laid me down looking for firearms. What, everyone, obviously you, Peter Fury, everyone got laid down? No, just me. Okay. Yeah. In Hale, that was, just outside Manchester. And then basically they sat outside the meeting for five hours. So I knew from that point on that so they've had intelligence, talking. innit? So I'm asking them, well, why would I be on this meeting? You knew about this meeting. You knew what it was all about. Why would I be on this meeting? So then the police had to admit through their intelligence that me and Dave bore each other ill will. We didn't like each other. He wanted to kill me. I wanted to kill him. And we come to a financial agreement on this day in front of um, reputable villains from our world. And we walked away. A couple of months later, he died in a heart attack in his toilet. Do you understand? Yeah, so you you know that day when you obviously got laid on the floor, so you didn't suspect it was anything to do with them, you at that time just thought it was police intelligence did anything? Oh, I, so I knew he'd radioed me. Yeah, okay. What are you talking about? How would the police know I want to be there? Yeah, that's what I thought, so. He radioed me, man. Like, they expected me to have guns on me, so I was going to get nicked. 
That was what their game was, I believe. And did, uh, obviously, like I said, he had a relationship with Peter. Did he accept his friend was maybe a bit the other That's way? That's something that you don't have to ask Peter, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so you, how long did you spend in jail on the Dale Cregan one, though? A year. A year and a bit, I think. Or just over, just under a year or just over was, a year. Was Dale in the same jail as you? On, <sighs> what would you have uh, done to him if he had been? If I'd have seen him, yeah. I would have more likely punched his head in. Yeah. No, because at that stage of my life, to me, he'd ruined my kid's life. Mm. Do you know I mean, you've ruined my kid's life. You've been connected with something you didn't I'm getting the sentence. Yeah. I'm in prison for you. Oh. And my kids are out there with no dad. They don't know I'm a criminal, you fucking dog. So I had babies, my new babies were then, innit? Yeah. And there was only four and five. They thought I was in there working with the naughty kids like I did in the gym. Mm. So you got released in 2013, was it, from that? Yeah. And then, but that wasn't enough for you to turn your back and cry. You went straight back to Spain, was it, at them times there? Um, no, stayed here. Stayed in England after 2013. Yeah. And then where did you move to London, back to London, was it? Yeah, I mean, no, I moved to Liverpool first. Yeah. Um, Liverpool, and then I moved from Liverpool to the Thames. I lived on Cheney Walk which was beautiful. I lived on a boat called the Spirit of Chelsea, which was an absolute lovely experience. I was there for about a year. And how were you getting by during these times? Did you have some savings or were you still grafting or what were you doing? I was kind of grafting still then, man. I never give up the grafting until 2015, so yeah. you're still juggling grafting, doing what you do to generate money, innit? So I was just taking care of issues and problems and looking after things and people, as we've always done. So, like you say, there was a two-year period. Obviously, prior to this, you've been shot. You've had Osman warnings. You've had everything going on. What was it that made you make that change in 2015 after 30-odd years as a um, criminal? Well, when you do business in that world, at that period of my life. Everybody had encrypted devices, so you never would see the face of the people you were doing business with. And then one kid got into a financial issue, and I actually thought he was taking the piss, and I wanted him out. So I sent people to hurt him. And then I said, before you write him, make sure you find out who it is. And I found out it was my son's, one of my son's best mates. And so then what was the process from there then? So you, They're you, kids, innit? You what decided not to get them out? Or? I thought, what the fuck are you doing? These are kids you're supposed to be helping these lot. How do you put them on the road? And then the pennies just started dropping every day. Like, wow, look, I'm the cause of all the problems. Mm -hmm. If I weren't doing this, there wouldn't be no issues. There wouldn't be no problem. Why are we getting into business? Why don't I do this? Why don't... And then it just manifested in... Just been just turned into what it is today. So talk to me about a little bit about that process after being a thirty-five or thirty years in the criminal world, in the criminal circles. How did you detach yourself from that world? Just by not doing anything criminal. Yeah, and that was as simple as. And so, then initially, did you get straight into legit business, or, were you, or was it just? Yeah, I had to do a bit of voluntary work. Going to schools, colleges, 
done a few prisons, built up a name, bit of a reputation, done a charity, a few charity work, to the point where people are talking about me. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. So now I'm just about to start making financial revenue stream from what I was doing. So there's some difficult points in that. You end up going to Downing Street at one point. What, what year was that? I was down there last year. So that must have been, obviously that showed... Well, no, 2018. Two, yeah, 2018, I think it was. So you really haven't looked back on the on the life of crime, and you obviously to get to that point there, you've done obviously monumental work in order to be invited somewhere yeah. like that. Then, so you've really been trying to make a positive impact these last few years. Well, I haven't been trying. I've actually been making a positive impact. I've, I've stopped a few people going down that road, you know, and I've prevented a few catastrophes. So everything's been positive, man. Everything's been really good the last few years. Okay. I mean, like, I haven't been as financially rewarding as the mythological lifestyle we used to lead. But that was an immaterialistic gain anyway. Well, we all know happiness growth, do you know what I mean? Mm. So that growth I don't miss, this growth I love. And so over the last year or so, you've started going public, obviously, with your work and then obviously doing podcasts and going into the public domain. Yeah. What, what made you decide to go public? And so it's the only story? way to get the youngsters talking. Do you know what I mean? Like, some people are going to like it, but... How else are we going to make the youngsters change their mind if someone else ain't got the arsehole to stand up to everyone? So I mean, like, who knows? I might get ironed out for it. Who knows? So right? it's that same helping process just on a much larger scale where you can just impact that much more. Yeah, come on, we need to, it. man. They always need to be telling the youngsters, man. Come on. It's a waste of time. Don't do it, son. Listen to him. He ain't talking shit. We've been a mugs for here. So I mean, we've been young mugs for years. 